welcome to New Life Church Sermons. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to connect more with us, go to newlifesl.church. First Timothy chapter 2, starting at verse 1, perhaps a familiar passage to some of us. Paul is writing to Timothy. And he says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. For kings, that's uh, all governmental leaders, all political leaders, prayers for them. For all that are in authority, all that are in authority. For this reason, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. And then he says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath in doubting. I want to talk to us today on this subject, the praying man, the praying man. Let's uh, practice that for a moment before we get into this word, and let's lift our hands and our voices to the Lord and pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you, God, for this opportunity to gather, and we're asking now that as the word goes forth, that your spirit would accompany it, and that you would manifest it in the lives of every person here today. Anoint my mouth to speak your word with humility, love, and power, and God, I pray that this word would take root in our lives today and transform each one of us in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. One more time, clap your hands to the Lord and give God some praise. You can be seated. It was a couple months ago and um, we were in our Sunday morning routine that we have uh, begun to develop. And you know, we kind of go through the motions, got this routine. Anyone have a Sunday morning routine? Hopefully it involves church, but uh, if not, there's... Uh, so, you know, we have the 10 a.m. service now, and um, I'm, I appreciate that because the church we were at before, their service started at 9.30, and so I'll take that 30 minutes. But um, anyway, we, you know getting dressed and, and getting also kind of mentally focused and, and just, you know, doing our thing. And uh, <clears throat> we are, are getting it all together and we're getting in the car and, and we're headed uh, here. Uh, it's about 8, 8.15 or so, thereabout, when we're on our way. And, um, you know, Everett uh, pipes up and he says, Dad, are we going to worship? And I said, yeah, bud. 
we're going to worship. And in that moment, I was uh, kind of pumped. It's like, well, we're doing something right. Uh, there's a whole lot, long list of things that I don't think I'm doing right, but we got this one. And uh, I'll just say this. Uh, our children are going to learn to worship. However, who they learn to worship is more important. And who they learn from to worship and what to worship is important. Why? Everybody worships. And everybody learns to worship. Some of us even today are here today but we're not truly worshipers of the one true God because worship involves sacrifice and dedication and service to a deity or a thing. And so our kids are going to learn to worship something from someone. But we find in Scripture and this is another message, but in Deuteronomy chapter 6, we love verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, which literally means hear, O Israel. God's speaking to this specific nation. Um, Yahweh, your Elohim, is one Yahweh. And then it says we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then it says to teach our children this thing. The command was not given to Moses. The command was given to the parents. And so it is uh, a parent's responsibility to teach our kids who to worship and how to worship. And we at New Life believe we are to worship the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen. And if we don't teach him that, we better pray to God somebody else teaches them that because they're going to worship something. And so I was very thankful. Now, that was one Sunday. The next Sunday was different, but he's only four, so give him a break. <laughs> but even Abraham and Isaac... Isaac was familiar with worship, and he looks, and he's realizing there's something missing in the components of this sacrifice. And Abraham said, we're going yonder, taking the lad yonder to worship. And Isaac looks around, he says, where is, where is the lamb for the sacrifice? Isaac understood that worship involves sacrifice. And on a very minimal scale, According to our flesh, it's a sacrifice to get up early, get dressed, and come to church. But the reward is worth it. Sometimes it's a sacrifice to give sacrificially and yet still cheerfully unto the Lord. But the reward is worth it. Sometimes it is a sacrifice according to the flesh to live holy unto God and abstain from the uncontrolled passions that are found in this world. Yet the eternal reward is worth it. Worth it. It is worth it to sacrifice for our God. And I don't view it as sacrifice as if I'm losing something. I want to view it as worship. And 
fact, this is my reasonable and normal and almost minimal response that I can give to this God, Jesus, who gave everything for me. That's that perspective matters. We can come faithfully to church but have a negative perspective and we're not getting anything. And so we have to have this proper perspective. And the only way for our perspective to be transformed is to, with a sincere heart, get in the word of God, let the spirit of God transform us and be around the people of God. And so we as parents and fathers have a responsibility to let people and most importantly, our families see Jesus through us. I want to be see-through. Meaning, if they see any good in me, I want them to know it's because of Jesus. And so this passage that we broke down, Paul starts in this chapter talking about prayers and different kinds of prayer. And the reason for these different kinds of prayer it's for all men, all people, those that are rulers of nations and governments and those in authority so that we can lead a quiet and peaceable life, so that we can live godly and in honesty easily. Because this is good and acceptable in the sight of God. Then he says that this God, our Savior, would have all men to be saved all people to be saved because he's not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance and come to the knowledge of the truth. And then Paul says there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. And he is speaking of a specific man, Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, God manifest in flesh, God as a man here on earth. And, and Paul is referring to this one specific man in verse seven or verse six. And he says that he gave himself a ransom for all, that in due time he would be testified about. And I am an ordained preacher and apostle of this man and his gospel. And then Paul, he goes from Jesus to himself, and then his focus changes. And it's almost as if he's saying, because of all of this that I've mentioned, because God manifested himself in flesh as a man to make it possible for all to be saved, and he is the mediator, or another word is he is the intercessor, the, the one who reconciles between uh, the, the humanity and the eternal Holy Spirit of God. He's the one who mediates between the two. And I am a preacher of this man and his gospel. Because of all of this, I prefer, I have an active wish that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Paul has this desire, this active wish. I will therefore. It's this active wish. 
It's a continual desire to see men pray everywhere. And I know that when you were reading in the English language, sometimes men or man means human beings or the human race. But in verse 8, men is referring specifically to males, husbands, fathers. I will, therefore, I have this active wish to see men pray everywhere. Pray everywhere. That word, that that phrase literally means to pray and worship earnestly. Earnestly. It's this serious, not casual or flippant response to God through prayer and worship. But I take it seriously. This isn't just another part of my week. This isn't just something that I do to appease my my wife, but I have my own relationship with God, and there is nothing more important to me than my relationship with God because from that flows the effect through all my other relationships. If you're not right with God, you're not right with anybody. That's why you're frustrated. That's why you can't seem to get out of your funk. And so Paul is saying, I prefer, I have this active wish that men pray everywhere, that they are passionate, they take it seriously, and they pray and worship God everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. On Sunday, in this setting, when you're driving down the road to work, lift up your voice and pray. When you're at home, let your wife and kids hear your voice lifted up in prayer. When you're at work, you can pray out loud. You can pray under your breath. It doesn't matter. Pray everywhere, seriously, passionately, and without any fear. This is what Paul says. And just in case some of us were wondering, this is holiness for men. There's other things that we can get into. Then he goes on to say, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Holy hands. It's hard to pray and worship God earnestly, seriously, and passionately. If our hands aren't holy. In fact, if we have not been living right in the sight of God, we don't lift our hands. It's hard to be passionate about a holy God when the lifestyle we have been actively living here on earth and the deeds done in this body are unholy. So therefore, we can't in good conscience lift up holy hands to a, or unholy hands to a holy God. And from this, from unholy actions and the deeds done in this body that have not been uh, met or opposed with a response of repentance, meaning, yeah, nobody's perfect. We get that. But is your heart 
bent on opposition to God or when you have a mistake or do something you shouldn't have done, look at something you shouldn't have looked at, said something you shouldn't have said, listen to something you shouldn't have listened to or with your mouth spoke words that grieve the Holy Spirit. Did you do it with this rebellious, prideful uh, stature against God or did you say, woe is me, God forgive me, what am I doing? And you build an altar. Our response to our sin matters. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yes, I know. But don't keep on sinning. Come back to God and let him make you holy. Humble yourself in the sight of God and he will lift you up. Male pride is the number one thing that will send men to hell. Because we refuse to let down our guard and humble ourselves before the Lord. And so we can resist the Holy Spirit our whole life. And God in his love, God's not too proud to reach out to you. Who are we to be too proud to submit to his loving tug of his spirit saying come back to me come back to me in prayer find me early in the morning in a private place of prayer I have a new calling for you in this altar come to this altar and pray lead your family in prayer and 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 you know all five foot ten of me is like We can all just be honest and admit men are a mess. That's why we need Jesus and a good woman. Can I get an amen? (laughs) But it's hard to pray everywhere when we're living unholy. And if we're living unholy, that gives its way to wrath. I would that men everywhere pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath. Violent passion, indignation, vengeance. It's commonly greed. Men have an anger problem more than women. That doesn't mean there's not crossovers. However, the temper is something that a man can struggle with when he's living according to his own will. Paul says that is not something that a man of God should possess. Doesn't mean we don't deal with it sometimes, but pray. Give it to God. It's okay to be passionate. Just don't be violently passionate. Vengeance, revenge, looked at me wrong I'm gonna slash your tires you said something I didn't like you're dead to me I mean and then doubting this is one that really jumped out at me that I I, uh, I saw in a new light Paul says I will therefore that men pray everywhere lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting I thought doubting was just, I have doubts. I have uncertainties. I don't know. No, it's not what this means. This word literally means disputes 
in debates. You ever talk to somebody that all they wanted to do is debate you? You're speaking the truth to them, but they have another edge they're come, trying to come at. I don't have time for that. Men, Paul is saying, struggle with this disputing, debating spirit, mindset. When our heart's not right, we can find something wrong with anything. We can find a reason why not to believe anything. Paul is saying men struggle with that because he is saying that he actively desires to see men of God pray everywhere without violent passion and vengeance and without a debating spirit. It's hard to be unified when you want to debate. It's hard to get on board when you have an issue with everything. And Paul is saying that is no way for a true man of God to be. And just in case you're wondering, any person that has been baptized in the name of Jesus, any man that has been born again of water and spirit that is anointed by the Holy Ghost, you're a man of God. And so that is no way for any man of God to live. It creates division. It creates unbelief. Disputing, debating, issues. That's eh, all right, but I, I just don't. Nah. Debating, it, it breeds unbelief. And you can mess up 24-7 and continually come to God and say, God, help me get this right. Help me get this uh, in my spirit. I want to get victory over a sin. But if you hold on to unbelief, that is what makes you the enemy of God. A whole generation did not walk into their promised land, not because of a bunch of sin, but because of unbelief. They said, we can't do this. We can't do this. We've got to get rid of that debating spirit. We've got to get humble and tenderhearted and long-suffering through the power of the Spirit of God. And we've got to let the Spirit of God transform our lifestyle so that 24-7 we can pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. And any time we may not get it right, we know we can find restoration, strength, and power in the Holy Ghost at an altar, but we humble ourselves and we get to that altar why is this important why why is the focus on men in this setting why does Paul do this there's statistics that you can actually look up and I'll give you the website in case anybody's wanting to dispute WACMM.org. WACMM.org. And I've seen this other places, but that's the one I'm using, and it tracks. I've seen this many times, but I wanted to find a least mostly reliable source. When a mother comes to church or joins a church, the family joins her 17% of the time. And when a father comes to church, the whole family joins. 93% of the time. Why do you think that is? Two things, as I've said before, men are a mess without Jesus and a good woman. But the other thing is, is the enemy knows the power of a father. 
and he will fight to destroy the family because if he can take out the head, you cut off my head, I'm dead. If he can take out the head of a family, the one who's supposed to lead, influence. And yes, it is a team effort, but statistics speak for themselves. We need a revival of men who are not too proud to come to God in prayer. For that in the sight of God is a mighty man of God. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. In the carnal, a mighty man is a man who shoots guns and drives a big truck and and knows how to hunt and and slay anything that's edible and whatever else. Or in ancient times, a sword, a shield, and goes off to war. That's a mighty man. In, in, In culture's eyes, a mighty man is a man who can supply an abundant living for his family. And he teaches his kids how to work but he doesn't teach them how to pray but when time comes and the end of the world has come we've gained the whole world but we cared nothing for our soul and Jesus said what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose the part of him that lives forever Because today the stock market could crash. The economy plunged deeper than the Great Depression and your money's gone. Then you'll pray. I'll leave that. We are going to see the greatest revival in this church And the greatest push in evangelism when men step up to their God-ordained role to say, I'm going to pray everywhere. I'm going to do my best to live a holy life before God so that at any time my hands can go up before the Lord. Now watch this. Lifting up holy hands. How it's written in the Greek, in the, the context of it, and what Paul was saying, it was not this. It was this. Because that's how they would lift their hands up in this time. It's coming from a Jewish influence. This. But this. This is done from a spirit of humility because you are posturing yourself literally physically to receive. But I'm a man, I don't need anything or anybody. But when you lift up holy hands, God, I can't get over this anger without you. I wanna have a heart full of faith, but I can't do this on my own. God, I know I'm not perfect, but I want my son, I want my daughter, I want my children to see you through me. And there's no way that I can accomplish that on my own. So I am posturing myself to receive from your spirit what I need to be who you desire me to be. A proud man won't lift his hands like this. 
but a humble man will. Praying earnestly, seriously, knowing that God has called him to lead his family into his purpose. And I understand that there are some adult children who have been raised by couples in this church that aren't currently living for God the way they should or the way we desire. And we know that the Bible says train up a child in the way they should go and when they're old they will not depart from it. But we can't control them forever. And I'm already trying to prepare myself for that day. We can't control them forever, but we can put it in them. And if we put it in them, there is always potential for them to come back. They may mess up. They may stray. They may walk away for months, years, or decades. But if you did your part, you put something in them that as long as there's breath in their body, it is not too late to come back. You put a priceless treasure in them and God will bring them back. If we do our part, we do not have regrets even though we always will everybody has regrets we wish we could have done something different something better but if we can put it in them they will always remember and they will always know there is a place to come back and new life needs men to lead in prayer I know we talked on Mother's Day about prayer and, and different things and intercession. and It's common. Women can uh, naturally, I guess, in certain regards, in this intercession-type prayer, give themselves to that easier. The Bible says, I would, that men pray everywhere. Everyone, man, woman, is to pray. But the man's job is to lead. In other words, men with their voice should lead the charge in prayer. Not just the men, but the women also. But the men's voice should be leading in prayer. If a man can provide for his family but can't open his mouth to pray, we're only fulfilling half of our purpose. Our voices must lead the charge. Here, as we gather together, at home, at work, driving down the road, at the store. And the way to be what Paul desires actively for men to be is if we have strayed from this posture is to first find a place of repentance before the Lord. Humble ourselves and say, God, 
I've been too proud. God, my focus has not been on you. And because of that, it has affected my life and those around me. Lord, I'm asking you now to forgive me of this pride. Forgive me of my complacency. Forgive me of my flippant attitude towards your spirit, your kingdom, your word, and your desire for my life. I don't want to take this casually anymore, but my desire from this day forward is to be a man that prays everywhere, lifting up holy hands in surrender to your will. No wrath, no disputes, no debates, because God, my soul is worth it. My family is worth it. The church I'm a part of is worth it. And those souls you're going to save and use me to reach are worth it. God has purpose for every man in this place today. I don't say that to motivate you. I say that because it's true. Some of you are anointed and you don't even realize it. Some of you are anointed and you're running from it. And God has a purpose for your life and people that he desires to use you to reach and it would be a shame to stand before him one day in eternity having never yielded because of our male pride and we see what we missed out on the souls we could have reached if we would have just humbled ourselves before the Lord prayed and been used by God the way he desires Holy men pray earnestly. Carnal men pray complacently. I want to say that one more time. Holy men pray earnestly. Carnal men pray complacently. How do I know? Because I'm a man. My most complacent prayers have been when I've been the most carnal. Bad attitude, wrong spirit, not thinking right, not living right, not living in a way that I know God desires me to live, not as dedicated to the word and time with him as I should be. I'm not praying earnestly because something has stolen my passion sin but when we find a place at an altar the spirit of God is waiting to minister to every person in this house if we will simply humble ourselves before him and pray I wonder right now if we could stand in this house and let the spirit of God begin to minister to you right where you are because God wants to reach every person here today these altars are open and I'm asking and challenging each person here today to come to this front with the men leading the charge in a time of sincere consecration before the Lord humble ourselves before him and get right and pray